0: You are listening to the Teleperformance Podcast on Spotify.
1: Good day, everyone. My name is Dr. Connie Bell, and I am responsible for leading Teleperformance Global Incident Response and Fraud Analytics team. Many of you know us as Skirt. Today, we are here with two of my favorite executives, Scott Barley, Chief Operating Officer for TPUSA. And St. Marshall, CEO, of Dallas Mavs, President and CEO of Marshall and Resource, Resource Consulting. Black at TP wanted to bring together these two leaders to discuss overcoming challenges and dealing with life's unexpected events. Our hope is is to accomplish this by helping you to learn and understand from others' personal and professional journeys, such as St. Marshall and the leadership of Scott Barley. Trust me, you will leave this podcast motivated to tap into your inner strength and power. First, let me introduce our very talented leaders. As I stated earlier, Scott Barley is our Chief Operating Officer. He oversees the effective management of teleperformance organization in the United States. If you have not met this gentleman, you are missing out. He is intelligent, focused, driven, while at the same time, Caring and empathetic, having the ability to understand the world of our, all our employees' point of view. Scott holds more than twenty years of executive experience in customer experience, digital transformation, B two B care strategy and operations, sales support, international product implementation, consumer technical support, and operations support. That's a mouthful. Scott will take the lead on interviewing Sent, um, our special guest. Now, Sent. Marshall has been a dynamic force in inclusion and diversity within the Mavericks organization and over 36 year career at AT AT&T, imagine that. When Sint was hired as a new CEO of the Mavs in March of 2018, she set her sights on a culture of transformation. Her vision for the Mavericks organization was to become the NBA standard for inclusion and diversity and brought transparency and trust and her value-based leadership style that evolved the company's culture in the first 100 days. Since Noah Riley began many, many years ago as a young officer at AT AT&T and grew exponentially when she served as the Senior Vice President of Human Resources and the Chief Diversity Officer at AT AT&T. There, she was responsible for identifying and developing leaders, aligning employees with the company's visions and priorities, overseeing major business unit HR support, performance development, employee engagement, and skills transformation initiatives. CINN also led a team that created a world-class diversity and inclusion culture, landing AT&T in the top three on the Diversity Diversity Inc.'s 2017 top 50 list of companies. She also spearheaded work that, for the first time, placed AT&T on the Fortune 100's best companies for to work for the list in 2017. And that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to tell you one more thing about Scent. Not only has she been a recipient of several honors and awards, in her new book, You Have Been Chosen. And I must say a must read. She details the unlikely things for which she has been chosen for, from a difficult and abusive childhood to a full scholarship at the University of California, Berkeley, so <laughs> to an executive suite at at Along the way, not only did she endure several miscarriages, that ne- one that nearly killed her, and the loss of her newborn special K. The book also details the adoption of her four wonderful children, her and her successful battle battle with stage three colon cancer. I am excited to tap into tap into this talent we have here today, Scott. I'm sure you have a, a, a your first question for our esteemed guest. Yeah, Thank so you, Dr. Bale,
0: <laughs> I'm I'm so excited to get a chance to to hear from you and learn from you. And you've had an incredible career. Um, you join this call and you can just feel the energy. I'd love to know what drives you. What are the passions that drive you towards that energy?
2: Oh, my goodness. First of all, it's just so good to be here, to hang out with you. And, of course, I know Dr. Bell and Scott. I've just heard some amazing things about you and your leadership and your passion for people. Uh, And truly, that is what drives me. We are probably driven by the same thing. It is all about people. I often say people matter and that's all that matters. So when I get up in the morning, you know, people say, what keeps you up at night? Well, nothing really keeps me up at night. I stay up like all night, but it's about what really gets me up in the morning. And it's people. I am driven by just making a difference uh, in people's lives, uh, just making the environment better for them, whether it be at home or at work or at church or in the community. Uh, I just truly believe that we are placed on this earth to be our brothers and sisters keepers, and so we get to do that in a variety of ways. And so I'm just driven about the mission, uh, the mission of people, the mission to serve, and wherever the Lord places me, I'm ready to go and carry out that mission. So it's just it's about the people.
0: Awesome, that's awesome. So in your career, you know. Connie mentioned the the great opportunities and surprises that you were you were given in your career. But um who helped you along the way? as you worked through that journey? I'm sure you had a lot of support.
2: oh, i have, I, have, I had a lot of support. So so Connie mentioned my book that was released in September. You've been chosen. And the way I summarized that book, that book, you know, two hundred plus pages, is about how God and great people always show up in my life. Uh, I have been surrounded by a tremendous uh, village. Uh, my my parents left Birmingham, Alabama, when I was a baby, and moved to California to a public housing project, and I had uh, teachers, uh, different educators, community people, track coaches, uh, people that just helped me along the way through, you know, an an abusive situation. Uh, you know, going back to school as a junior in high school with a big brace on my nose where my father had broken my nose. And three teachers and a principal uh, embraced me. They knew it wasn't normal. Come back head cheerleader. I'm cheering, you know, with the big silver brace on my nose. And so they embraced my mom. They wanted to know what was going on. And then they knew my mom had a vision for her kids to go to college, graduate from college, and the village embraced us. And the rest is history because they got me involved in all kinds of stuff. I got my full scholarship and on and on and on. Same way in, you know, my career. Uh, mentors, sponsors, people that helped me understand kind of what I needed to do. And some people who had their, you know, ideas of what I I didn't need to do, but that's what they thought. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of that. Uh, but it's just people who uh, show up. And if you're open to it, uh, they can help you. And and I was. Uh, I was always taught to be open and to let people uh, help me and to listen to them. And uh, so that, that's kind of you know, how I got to this point is just people helping me along the way, different mentor sponsors. And they looked like everybody. Uh, a lot of the people who helped me and who mentored me along the way. Scott, they look like you. And so we have to appreciate uh, people like yourself who care about other people and who care about people who don't uh, look like them and who will stand up for them. I wear this upstander bracelet uh, all the time about you know standing up for people and and being there for them. So uh, that that's been the story of my life. I've had great people show up. That's so, awesome.
1: You, you you touched on something um, really key when you when you talk about people who help you that don't necessarily look like you can and. and- can you talk a little bit about the importance of having advocates? So for a, an ERG like Black at TP, it's not only about engaging our Black employees, but talk about the importance of engaging advocates, not people who don't necessarily look like us.
2: Oh, my goodness. We, we need advocates. We need our allies. We need, for two reasons, uh, we, we need a different perspective because sometimes, you know, we can get, you know, bogged down in our own stuff and our own cultures and some of us, you know, we're all different, but we, you know, some of us have similar backgrounds. Well, you need people who have their own cultures and their own backgrounds to help you see some things that maybe you don't see. And then to help advocate for you, you know, with others who may have their own opinions or biases or stereotypes. When you have people who are right in there with you, who know you, who understand what you're about, they can go and speak in places and speak in rooms that you're not in. And so often discussions, critical discussions are happening in places that you're not in and you want somebody who can step up and say, you know what? No, I, I I know what's on her mind or I know what she's about or I know what that is. And so we need to embrace that. That's authenticity, you know, so and I can give you, you know, I can give you chapter <laughs> and verse of okay. situations where I had people step up for me when other people were even saying stupid stuff like. You know, she needs to change her hairdo. I mean, just crazy stuff or not understanding, you know, the culture or the colloquialism and where I come from and all that. And so you need somebody who can who can be there and who can who can fight your battles, but who can also mentor you and help you understand the cultures. You know, I I often talk about the difference of diversity and inclusion, you know, diversity being invited to the party, inclusion being asked to dance and inclusion uh, being about except, you know, help, helping people understand the culture and the tables they're at. You need somebody to help you understand this new table that you're sitting at, this new environment that you've been in because you just don't know it. And so that's why we we all need each other. We all need the allies. We all need to be there uh, for each other. I'm on this big thing now about being there for my Jewish uh, brothers and sisters. And so just uh, being able to speak up about anti-Semitism and all that. And it, you know, sometimes it catches people off guard. Well, you know what? It's, it's I need to stand up right now. There's some right. things right. that people need to hear from me, and not them. So I'm, exactly. I'm I'm big on the allyship and 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 the upstanders. Perfect. Thank you.
0: That's awesome. So I, I heard a story that when you got the phone call from Mark Cuban, you didn't know who he was.
2: Oh, don't judge me, Scott. I did not.
0: I, I, I did I'm not. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I'm so. You moved into that role, and obviously you had a huge culture change that you had to implement. Yes. As you kind of hit your first six months, what were some of those challenges? What were some of those things you did? What were some of those, um, you know, that pushback that you got and how you overcame it?
2: Oh, I love that. I love that. So so when I joined the Mavs, of course, it was after a 36-year career, had started my own company, get this call from this wonderful man who I truly did not know. Uh, but he wasn't like trying to phone a friend to help him out. He was really trying to get someone who had experience in transforming cultures. And so when I got there, I, you know, I talked to a few people, spent a few hours in the conference room. And before I had my press conference, I laid out a 100 day plan, a vision and a set of values. And I said, this is where we are going to start. And I communicated it to the team and then I went and met with the media because it was important for me to tell the team first. Uh, here's who I am. Here's what I'm about. So I, I, I gave them me just up close and personal. I was very transparent about my background, who I am, where I come from, what I personally value. And then I laid out a vision for the Dallas Mavericks. And this was in the, it was the end of February 2018. I said by 2019, we will set the MBA standard for diversity and inclusion. And so I focused on that uh, because I believe in the business case. If you focus on that, you get that right. And I'm talking about the comprehensive agenda, talent, suppliers, purchasing, community. I mean, if you focus on that, you will win the war for talent you'll be profitable. You'll have innovation, creativity and all that. So I believe in that business case. So that was the vision that we set out. And then I laid out a set of values. I said, from this day on, This will be values based employment and our value, our values spell crafts, character, respect, authenticity, fairness, teamwork and safety, both physical and emotional safety. And and maybe at the very end of the call, I'll close with the character story that I told uh, my employees to really make it uh, stick. So I let them know this is what we're about and we're going to perfect our crafts. And then I laid out a 100 day plan that had four major parts to it. Uh, Model zero tolerance. So really focus on compliance, making sure that we had the infrastructure in place to create a speak up culture, uh, that people understood what was expected of them, code of conduct, all that. Uh, So model zero tolerance, a Mavs women's playbook, because it was just not a place. The Dallas Mavericks was not a place that, in my mind, was friendly to women. It wasn't a great place to work uh, for women. Uh, So we needed an agenda to expressly elevate, educate, empower, mm-hmm. and encourage women. And then cultural transformation. Just totally looking at our diversity, equity, and inclusion plan, our uh, our reputation, our agenda for women, um, just the inclusion, because we lead with inclusion. It's not just about counting the numbers, but it's about making the numbers count. And then operational effectiveness, just basic things you need to run a business, market-based compensation, gender pay equity, performance reviews, I mean, business planning process. And so it's 200 initiatives. I got everybody engaged in. And then I said, okay, we're going to start with one-on-ones with every single employee. And then we're going to diversify this leadership team that did not have any women or people of color on it in permanent positions until I got there. And then Now my leadership team is 50% women and 50% people of color. And that happened within the first uh, 90 days. And so that's what we did. It was a recipe around vision, values, a hundred day plan that everybody engaged in, one-on-ones and a diverse leadership team. And so the NBA has given out an inclusion leadership award for the past uh, two years, well, twice they've given it out and we've won it uh, both times. So we're kind of achieving that vision of setting the standard. And and yes, you're right, there were some challenges. Uh, There was pushback. I had one guy uh, tell his team uh, not to listen to anything I had to say because I'd be gone in 90 days. He said it was a big PR move. I didn't know anything about basketball. Uh, You know, certainly this black woman couldn't come in and lead uh, an NBA team. And I had to end up calling him out on that because I noticed his people, they wanted to talk to me, but they were just kind of, you know, standoffish. And so I asked what was going on and they were honest. And I just called him in and I asked him about it and he admitted it. And so he said, I'd be gone in 90 days because I didn't know what I was doing. And there's no way uh black woman without any basketball experience, no less could come in and do it. And so uh, he was the one gone. And, you know, by, by the end of the year, he was gone. Uh, and I'm still here and it's four and a half years later uh, because, but he opted out. He opted out. He's, he's self-selected. He decided he didn't want to be with the program that we had in place. He didn't want to live up to the values. And uh, he didn't want to be in a place uh, that was led, you know, by a black woman, I guess. And, and you know, the, the whole thing is kind of crazy because we're actually friends now. <laughs> I love that guy. I mean, I loved him then, honestly. I love that guy. It was very different for him. Even in 2018 and even now in 2022, There's some people who have just never worked for a woman. Let alone a black woman, which is crazy to me, but it is what it is. And so he self selected out, but he's still a good friend.
1: Wow. Sound sound like you're a woman of action. We were talking earlier about how Scott being a man of action, being at TP in a little over a year and a half, and has made some phenomenal changes um, to the way that we do business that support our employees. So hats to talk to to both both of you guys. You 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 talked a little bit about in that story when you think about. A lot of people think that you have to know the business to run the business, but essentially it sounds like there are just some critical leadership styles or leadership capabilities that you need to have to run any business. Can you talk about some important capabilities that we need to have more more so than functional um, type of abilities or skills that we need to have to run our businesses?
2: Yes, I think, you know, Mark, my, my boss promised me that he would teach me the business of basketball. Because I was concerned about not knowing the subject matter. I mean, I knew communications, telecommunications, all that. Uh, But he said, no, no, you will learn the business of basketball to the degree you need to know the business of basketball. I need a leader. And he was right. And so I practiced a a few things. I practiced the three L's of leadership and then all in leadership. And I'll describe those very briefly. Uh, So the three L's I learned a long time ago. I learned when I was 21 years old, supervising. Long distance operators at AT AT&T, fresh out of college, okay, 21 years old. I got there and I told them, I don't know anything about this. and, And they agreed. They knew I didn't know. I said, but I do know how to serve. And I know my job as a leader is to serve. So I believe there are three things that if I do them extremely effectively, I'll be a great leader. And that is to listen to the people, learn from the people, and love the people. And I mean, listen at a level where I can even hear what they're not saying. So meaning I have to really spend time with them, I have to listen to understand, listen to process, not just listening to respond or just listening for some piece of data that I need, but truly listen at a level where I care about them because I'm listening because I I know I serve these people and so I need information to serve them. Uh, And that's what my one-on-ones were all about, getting to know the people. So listen to them, learn from them when i had when i was a uh, director so made my executive level at AT&T, uh, i had an assignment installation and maintenance district so all the you know the phone people out in the you know kind of out in the field and all that i went to pole climbing school so out there online somewhere is a picture of me up on a telephone pole with a hard hat on <laughs> some boots a big belt all that you know I was, you know really <laughs> small back then okay and and the union actually took that picture Some of the union leaders took that picture because they were just fascinated and delighted that I would take the time. You know, I'm three levels up from these people that I would take the time to understand Mm -hmm. what these employees and these technicians deal with every day. But I wanted to learn their job. I wanted to learn what I thought I needed to learn and then what they wanted me to learn, because that's how you develop empathy. That's how you can really serve. That's how you can provide the resources because you can feel it because you've been there. And then to love the people. And that's the part that usually catches people off guard. It's about loving people. And not loving the employee, but the person. Loving that person who gets up out of bed in the morning, the baggage they have, the cultures they have, the dreams they have, the issues they have. We have to love those people. And so the person that gets up out of bed in the morning, Mm -hmm. that's the person who I want to walk into my doors. Who I want to show up on. The scream, not some person who goes and find a phone booth if you can find one these days and put a, <laughs> on a big cape with an M on your chest or a TP on their chest. That's not who you want. You want that person, that authentic person who got up out of bed in the morning. And then we as leaders have to meet them where they are. And that's how you love the person and not the employee. So if I do that, I'm good. And then my all in leadership is to lead with intent lead with inclusion, lead with insight, and lead with inspiration. If I practice my three L's and my all-in leadership, I'll I'll do a great job.
0: Thank you. Well, so we have a, uh, a common background. So when I graduated high school, I started digging ditches for Ameritech at the time. Wow, did and you, really? I put, you really? I put myself did through you? school in the installation and repair department. I climbed poles for a living.
2: Oh my goodness.
0: So oh my I uh,
2: goodness.
0: I know the class you're talking about very well.
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness. What city were you in or state? Detroit? That is uh-huh. so awesome. That is so awesome. That is a tough job. I think it's one of the best jobs. It's a tough job. And if you're trying to lead people that do that, you better understand that job. The challenges are, real and these people are committed they're out there and all that bad weather i mean it's 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 an incredible incredible uh service job and so i really yeah. want to know it that's awesome that's awesome
0: yeah i i think you know the way you speak about having the one-on-ones meeting with the employees understanding what their concerns are having the love for them it's it's what we're working on every day and you know i think for us at tp What I focus on with my leaders is make decisions based on what's best for our employees, what's best for our clients, and what's best for TP. And if you're taking all three of those into account every time you make a decision, we're going to back you. You're going to make the right decision every time.
2: Yeah, it'll be the right one.
0: It'll be the right one. So as we think about what we're trying to do here, which is really be that catalyst for change. at TP, what do you think is important for us? What What do we need to focus on?
2: I think we need to focus on, first of all, the the, the time that we are living in. I mean, we're, we're living in some divisive times. Uh, we have some crazy stuff going on. And our employees don't leave that at home. That comes in the door with them. And so I think we have to be very aware uh, on a daily basis on what's happening in the environment. And give people time to decompress and to process it the way they need to process it, and have resources and tools available to them. Uh, I think we definitely need to uh, uh, think about how we are serving individuals, and so that's mm-hmm. where the employee resource groups uh, really come in because they can help uh, you keep your finger on the pulse of people, what their needs are, and, and you know, employee resource groups. I mean, they they're there, you know, they serve the business. We serve them, but then, you know, it's a two way street. And so uh, to really tap into them and have kind of that, uh, that two way uh, dialogue. And then to understand that the world is different, uh, you know, kind of as we come through this pandemic, the world has changed, people have changed, the future of work has changed, the way we work has changed. And so we've got to stop. This is what's really top of mind for me right now is to just really stop and figure out what do people want? And people want different things. And so how can we respond to people who need to work in a very different way? Because we're getting the most out of them. I think people have realized, I think, you know, there's some bad things that came out of the pandemic, obviously around deaths, but I also think there's some very good things that have come out with it. People have gotten very in touch with, most people have gotten in touch with who they are, what's important to them, Um, and, They know how they want to work and they want that flexibility. And so we have to figure out how to make that happen. And so I'm relying on my employer resource groups a lot to help me stay in touch with the people. Uh, My favorite quote is a Teddy Roosevelt quote, or at least it's attributed to Teddy Roosevelt. It says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's kind of where I am right now. And I think as leaders, we have to be in that caring space to make sure we are meeting the needs uh, of our people. Because if we meet those needs, we'll continue to to have our businesses soar. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think that people um, are expecting us or the leadership of of organizations, right? To kind of look at, you know, here's what happened in the pandemic and offer them different ways to work um, for for us, right? Because what the pandemic did show us is there are alternative ways to the way we were doing business. And so they were looking for us to how can we continue that or or not, right? But how to meet them, you know, where they are with, based on what their expectations. Um, I want to take you back to something um, earlier we were talking about when you were talking about the people who um, helped you along along the way. And we've kind of had our sister talks, and, but, you know, at your house, <laughs> and we've yeah. talked about the <laughs> idea hot. of lifting um, as you climb, yeah. right? And so, can you talk a little bit about, because we have, um, we'll have a lot of our TP um, leaders that will be listening to this po- t- podcast. And so, what do you feel is their responsibility? Because a lot of times we say, well, if somebody doesn't come to me and talk about the opportunity they want, um, then I don't have an obligation. Um, but I, I think that they, you know, some of our, our debates are, is that, you know, I'm responsible for um, giving them an open space or a safe space to come, right, and help lift as I'm climbing to to lift other people. Talk a little bit about what you think our expectation is as senior leaders to lift as we climb.
2: That's, it, that's exactly right. Our job is to lift and connect, to lift people, uh, because we're in a space that most people aren't in our view is a very different view the view from the top is different and you see a whole lot and you you can't expect people to have that view because they're not there i mean they just they they just don't have that big picture that we have and so we see a lot of things that we need to share with people and then we need to bring them up and put them in spaces where they get an opportunity to see some of that even if they don't see it on a daily basis it's about that exposure and people don't know what they don't know so To to wait for them to come and ask for it is kind of crazy because they don't know what to ask for. We know what's there, we have that view. So, I am all about mentoring programs. I'm about sponsorship too sponsorship programs where you take people and say, Okay, to me, it's like you have your coaches, you have your trainers, and then you have your agents. So, that's kind of like in my sports world. To me, sponsors are agents, they're basically saying, This person is ready, put them in coach. Like, let's get them on this team. Let's make this happen. And so, we have a responsibility, I I believe, as leaders to mentor people, to sponsor people, to make sure we can coach and aid in their development, and then to make sure that the rooms are diverse at every level. If they are not, shame on us, because we have the big picture, we have all the steps on the ladder, and we put people on those steps. They can't just walk in. There's nobody who can just walk in the TP and walk into Scott's office and say, I'm your next director over here. And I start tomorrow. (laughs) Now, Scott might think, okay, well, that'd be nice, but that's not getting ready to happen. Okay. (laughs) Because somebody's got to sponsor that person. You got to make sure that person is qualified. The job has to be open. I mean, we know that there's so much. Okay. So the, the person just can't step in, but we can pull people we can put them in developmental roles. We can have them network with people. We we do all of that. And we owe it to the corporation, to the enterprise to do it because it goes back to that business case. If we want to be profitable, then we have to have all of the different minds, backgrounds, et cetera, at the table. That's our job as a leader. Nobody else. We can't blame anybody else if it's not happening. Thank
1: you.
2: So that is my two cents on that.
1: All right. We, two
2: we, cents. we own it. We absolutely own it. Yeah. Great. But But once we do it now, then the person has to step in there. They've got to be able to receive the coaching. They've got to put in the hard work. They've got to show up where they don't want to show up. And you know, I always say that you must be present to win. So if when the opportunities are created, when uh, people tell you to show up for networking or tell you to show up for a special project, you can't just say, oh, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm not interested in that. No, you, you, you got to show up because That's you true. must be present to win. So it's a two way street, but we have to open it up.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, as we think about wrapping up, what what else? <laughs> <No>! <laughs> what else do you want? The our our team members to know about you and you know either professionally, personally, um, th- that really can can inspire them.
2: Here's what I want them to know: that I sit in the seat that I'm in now, and it's it's a pretty high seat, and I've been extremely extremely blessed. But I got here because there were people in my life every step of the way who were there for me, who showed up, who opened up opportunities. Uh, mentors, you know, people who told me, I'll never forget. I have this. I I worked for this guy years ago. I was about 23 years old, Norm McBride. And he asked me one time, he goes, Cindy, what do you want to do next? And so I was in my second job in the company and I said something real stupid. Okay. But I believed it at the time. I said, (laughs) Mr. McBride, I had my head down. I was working on my little engineering charts. I said, Mr. McBride, your job, my job is to do my current job and deliver results. And your job is to worry about my next job. He looked at me, he says, Cindy, he called me Cindy back then. He goes, Cindy, come back to my office. And Mr. McBride spent two hours with me, showing me the picture of the, he painted the picture of the whole company, helped me lay out a career plan and all that. And so then after he finished and I was leaving his office, he said, and Cindy, don't ever just put your career in somebody else's hands to own it. You have to own it too. We do this together. But he spent that time with me because he knew I didn't know any better. And he helped me literally lay out a career path that uh, led to a lot of success uh, in my career. And so what I would say is we all have a role to play in the success of other people's careers in our own and in the success of the company. And so what we have to think about every day is what role do I have to play? Because at some point you're going to be in that game and you got to be able to look out not just for yourself, but for somebody else. I truly believe that we are our brothers and sisters keepers. And so we have to be there. back goes back to being allies and upstanders. And not just in the company, but also in the world, that we all need each other. All of this really uh, is about people. And so I got here because people invested in me. They took time with me. And then there was a network of people all around me. And then I gave back. And so I think that's what it is expected of all of us to invest and then give back. And yeah, you'll get some returns on that investment. So that's my two cents, invest and engage.
1: Awesome. I, I love it. I, I think I, I said at the top of the, the the meeting that we were gonna be embraced by two phenomenal leaders. And as you we were talking about your second rotation, um, I thought about that. Do you guys know you're both educated engineers? That's crazy. <laughs>
2: That's crazy. Well, you know, I ended up changing my major and then I ended up being an engineer with the company. So it was just in me uh, to do that. Let me let me just add one more thing about, uh, you know, I coined I coined a statement a long time ago. So I definitely want people to think about this is sometimes the light at the end of the tunnel is a train. Bad things do happen to good people. And sometimes there's just adversity and things that we have to face. And then you know you could either have the pity party or do the woe is me, or you can realize that yeah, sometimes in life the end of the tunnel is a train, and open up to people and let them help you back up so you can get back on track. Uh, and and you all talked about it, the different you know the adversity that I faced, then the stage three, one no node away from stage four uh, cancer diagnosis, the death of a daughter, you you just name it. Okay. Husband with brain damage, just all that. Every step of the way I could actually point to, uh, an actual hand that lifted me back up. And so as, as we think about all the things that are going on in this world, let's be that hand, uh, to lift somebody else back up. There's so much good and great stuff going on right now and more to do, but there's also some bad stuff. But the good and the great outweigh the bad and the ugly. And we can get through it if we just take some action and be that hand for somebody. And sometimes you might have to be the one to accept that hand, which is what has happened to me in my life. A person who is always like to be in control. I'm type A if you all did to figure that out. But every now and then you just got to let somebody else. You got to open up and let somebody else pick you back up. And help you get back on track and we got to be there for each other and accept that sometimes you know we do fall down so we are down but not out we can always get back up nice wow
1: awesome i can't thank you you both um, enough for for being here and sharing your wisdom with us i truly appreciate it i know um, our employees will appreciate it as well scott sent kind of gave her last words are there any last words that you have for us that you'd like to close with
0: um, no, I, I just truly enjoyed this conversation and, and learning from you. It's um, it's always interesting because I our, our journeys parallel each other in so many ways, um, and it's you know having having those strong people around you. Uh, for me, strong women throughout my career, uh, throughout my life that that helped guided me and. Um I, I just really excited to see the next chapter for the Dallas Mavericks for teleperformance uh, and, and for our culture of, of both groups uh, to just continue to flourish.
1: Awesome.
2: Thank you, Scott. It was so great to hang out with you. Thank you, Dr. Bale.
1: You're welcome. My sister, Connie. I love you, my sister. That's, not, that's my two cents.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: what about you? How did you like it? Go ahead and share this podcast. See you later. Teleperformance on Spotify. Feel the connection.